If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and also Matthew 13. Philippians 3 and Matthew 13. As we've already been praying, uh, remember that uh, Dr. Weldon will be back uh, uh, tomorrow night. So if you have any pastoral needs, I suspect he'll be back in the office come Tuesday morning. Uh, the, we are, even though I've been preaching through a series on Philippians, this is actually part of the making of a disciple series that uh, Dr. Weldon's been taking us through today. We're going to be uh, making of a disciple. A disciple is one who, who gives joyfully as we look at the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Now, though, let's give our attention uh, to Philippians chapter 3. Remember, this is the Word of God. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Then over in Matthew 13 beginning in verse 44. Matthew 13 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we ask that through your spirit you'd show us glorious truths in this portion of your holy gospel. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As many of you know, my wife Wendy was in the play last month. As you can imagine, as they get ready for the play, there's plenty of rehearsals and Sometimes those of us that aren't in the play are left at home while our spouses are at the play. And one evening, I was uh, sitting around not feeling particularly inspired or creative. And, and I was uh, watching uh, the television and flipping through the channels. And I came upon PBS. And, and I happened to watch a few minutes of something I'd never seen before called the Antique Roadshow. I don't know how many of you have seen it. But the general idea is people find these little trinkets, and they bring them in, and they get them appraised, and, and the appraiser tells them how much uh, value that their particular items may have. And uh, as I was watching this one evening, uh, this lady came in with a couple of lamps that she had bought for $10 at a garage sale. And uh, she said to the, the appraiser, I just, something about those lamps made me think that they might be worth more than the $10 I paid for. And as he checked them all out, he said to her, you know what, your, your, your thinking was right on. These lamps are actually worth several hundred dollars a piece. 
and that that was quite the find that she had gotten at that yard sale. Well, I think our text this morning, we see sort of the same idea, that the Apostle Paul is telling us that we have something of great value, and we need to be willing to let everything else in our lives go in order that we may grab hold of it and obtain it. When we have Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, we have more than what we can possibly imagine. Christ is worth more than anything else. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that Christ is worth more than anything else in your life? Now, why would I ask such a question? Well, because Christ himself teaches us that we must be willing to give up all we have if we truly want to follow him. And the only way we're ever going to be willing to do that is if we understand what the true worth of Christ really is. Just like the lady who bought the lamps for $10 because she thought that they might be worth a whole lot more, we should be willing to give up a little bit so that we may gain a whole lot more. Let me remind you of one of the greatest statements that our Lord Jesus Christ ever uttered. It's recorded in a number of places, but I'm going to read it to you out of Matthew 16, out of verse 25. He says, For whoever would save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what will a man give in exchange for his life? Now, see here, Jesus is talking about an exchange. He was talking about losing something in order that we might gain something. What he said is in order for you to gain your life, you must be willing to lose your life. If you want to gain your life, it will cost you your life. In other words, if you want to hold on to the things of this world, the things that you count so precious to yourself, and reject the things that are precious to God, it will cost you your eternal soul. That's the exchange. And Jesus said, what good is it for a man to have gained everything in this life in order that you lose your eternal soul? You'd be so much better off to make some exchange of what, your life, what you have in this life for the future. Whatever exchange you need to make, you need to be willing to, to, to give it all up in order to gain your eternal soul. You know, that's, that's a very significant spiritual principle that all of us need to understand. You see, there's, a, there's an exchange in salvation. There's an exchange of all that we are for all of what Christ is. There's an exchange of all of our religious activities, ceremonies, righteous works, Everything that we want to put our trust in, we give it all up in order for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There's a sense in some ways that we've spent all of our lives before we come to know the Lord and pursuing these false religious achievements. But we give them all up in order to gain Christ. Whatever it is in our lives that we've spent accumulating, we need to be willing to give them up in order to gain 
Christ. We have to say to ourselves, I am willing to exchange it all for Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. Then the wise person will look at everything in his life and he will say, you know what, it's just not worth it. It's not worth holding on to these things. It's not worth my eternal soul. You see, the person who comes to God is the person who is willing to do whatever it is that God requires of them. Whatever the price, whatever the cost, the person who is willing to abandon everything for Christ. You see, that, that, that takes us right back to Matthew 13, where, where the man who found the treasure and sold everything he had to buy it. The man who found the pearl, and he sold everything he had in order to buy it. You see, the, the, the treasure is salvation. The pearl is salvation. The, the treasure is Jesus Christ. The pearl is Jesus Christ. And salvation comes through Christ alone. The man who found the treasure said, this is worth more than anything I possess. I'll get rid of all of that. And and I'll take this. The man who found the pearl said, this this pearl is worth more than everything I have. I'll get rid of all that. And and I'm going to take this. What are you willing to to give in exchange for your soul. I mean, that, that's, that's the issue. Remember the, the rich young ruler came and he was faced with the, the same dilemma. And Jesus said to him, you know, this is everything you have. Are you willing to give it all up? Everything you possess and to follow me. And remember that the rich young ruler, he wasn't willing to do that. And one of the saddest readings we have in all scripture, we read about how he couldn't do it. And he turned away. And it cost him his eternal soul. Every person faces the choice when they confront Christ. Here's Jesus Christ and he says, I will save your eternal soul if you're willing to give up everything else that you are putting your trust in and trust in me alone. Some people say yes. Some people say no. One man who said a resounding yes was the Apostle Paul. And we just read here in our text, Paul is saying, I looked at everything I had and I said, it's a loss. I'll exchange it all for Christ. My soul is that valuable. He's willing to give up everything he had, everything that had made him who he was for Jesus. The heart of our text is found in verse 7 this morning where we read, out of Philippians 3, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I will exchange everything for that pearl. I'll exchange everything for that treasure hidden in the field. I will give up everything for Jesus Christ. I'll make that transaction to save my eternal soul. All right, so that, that tells us about the, the great exchange that, that, that takes place. But, but for us to really want to make that exchange, we need to find out for sure what it is that's such a priceless find 
that we'd want to do that. I mean, after all, there's no way we'd be willing to make such an exchange if we do not truly believe in what it is we're exchanging our lives for. As we look at this passage, which speaks to us about what Ligon Duncan calls the, the, the triple gain, the triple blessing that a Christian receives, we'll notice, especially in verses 8 through 11, that Paul outlines for us three specific blessings. And in the language of our catechism, they are justification, sanctification, and glorification. If you were to open the back of your hymnals, which we won't do this morning, but you'd see the catechism questions laid out there and around page 871, you'd start to see questions of of justification and sanctification. And, And you'll see how they unfold in our shorter catechism. But I want you to see how they unfold here in our text this morning. First, look at uh, Philippians 3, 8 and 9 with me. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. You know, it's hard to come up with a better brief description of the Bible's teaching on justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, than we read right here in verses 8 and 9. Justification comes through Christ alone. But, but Paul doesn't leave us just talking about justification here in our text. In verse 10, he talks to us about our sanctification. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That is, the Apostle Paul is concerned to become like Jesus through the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. He wants to be sanctified. He wants to grow in maturity in the Lord. He wants to become more and more like Christ. That's, that's what sanctification is. And then the third blessing we see is found in verse 11, where, where we speak about glorification. Because, and and that's, the, that's the work of becoming uh, like Christ completely. That's, that's never going to happen here on this earth. But when we are in heaven, we will be glorified. And, and it, so he says in verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In other words, Paul at the resurrection wants to be made perfect so that he can fellowship with God through Jesus Christ for all of eternity. Paul wants to be made perfect so he can enjoy Jesus Christ forever. In our Shorter Catechism, question 38 says, What benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? And the answer, as all you all know, since you have the Shorter Catechism memorized, is at the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all Eternity. Why is it that Paul wants to be glorified? 
so that he can be made perfect, so that he can enjoy God for eternity through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the priceless find, and he is worth the great exchange. For in him we are justified. In him we're sanctified, and in him one day we will be glorified. Paul lays out these three benefits that every Christian has in Christ. To be declared right with God. What a blessing to, to receive all the benefits here of sanctification, of growing to be made more like Christ. What a real blessing that is. What great hope we have as we look towards heaven. When all sin will be banished within our bodies and we'll be able to commune with the risen and ascended and, and reigning Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. That's the great exchange. That is the priceless find. And, and in the few minutes that I've left this morning, I want, to, I want you to consider some investment opportunities. All of us here, if given a choice, would like to make wise investments with our assets. And unlike your financial advisor who will tell you that past performance does not translate necessarily into future results, I have a foolproof investment strategy for you. For God wants you to invest in his kingdom. I want you to feel the burden, the, the joyful burden that the leadership of this church feels. If we love Christ as our highest treasure, and if we love people the way that Christ loves people, the fact that he would give, lay down his life, die even for his enemies, then we will labor, will want to labor to, to spread the passion of Jesus Christ to as many people as we can. We'll labor in evangelism. In evangelism. We'll labor in missions. We'll labor in, in spiritual awakening. We'll labor together in Christian education and, of course, in our worship. We'll not be content simply to feed ourselves, but instead, as we see Christ as our treasure, we will pray and we'll want to give and labor to reach more and more people. We have a team in Haiti, even right now, because Jesus Christ is their treasure. And they want to share Jesus with others so that Christ can become the treasure of other people. But going is only one way of giving. It takes real dollars to go. It takes real dollars to operate St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. The Bible clearly teaches that we should tithe to the Lord. And the leadership here at the church sees that as being one-tenth of our gross income should be given to your church as an act of loving obedience to Christ. We see this as a pattern that's taught throughout Scripture from Leviticus to Malachi into Hebrews and even into Revelation. But like I said, it takes real dollars to operate St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. We have a church budget here, the operating budget, of $1,375,000 a year. That means that our, our monthly expenses 
average about $115,000 a month. So for us to meet our, our monthly uh, budget, on average, we need to receive about $26,000 a week. Year to date, we're receiving an average of $22,200 a week. So as you can imagine, that's not real good for cash flow. But if I was asked to summarize, what's the financial condition of St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church? You know what I'd say? I'd say, it's okay. We're, we're not bad off. We're, we're a lot better off than, than other places. Uh, but we're not as good as what we, some of us might like to be. There's some ministry things that we've had to, to cut out or, or cut back on. But for the most part, we're making things work and we're moving forward. We constantly ask God to provide us with our daily bread. And you know what? He always does. He always does. And we're very thankful for that. But here's something I want you to make sure you hear me clearly say. The issue of church finances are never about dollars. It's about hearts. It's a heart issue. Do God's people trust him enough to give their first fruits to him? Malachi chapter 3 makes clear to us that we should. Here we read, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now let me be clear on a few things. None of your pastors, including myself, have any idea what any one of you give to the church. It's, it's best that it happens that way. We don't want to know and we really shouldn't know. What you do as far as giving is between you and the Lord. However, let me make a side note that if you're married, I would encourage you very much to make sure that both of you know what you are giving to the church. As you know, the offering is part of our, our weekly worship experience. And, and if one of you is writing the check and the other one has no idea what's ever being given, then we're robbing that, op that person an opportunity to worship fully. Now, I've been in church for a long time. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, I hate it when the preacher puts the squeeze on us. I know some of you are thinking that. But, friends, let me tell you something right now. I, I'm not putting the squeeze on you. If you're feeling at all uncomfortable about your giving, it is not me who's working on your heart. If Christ is truly your treasure, then I can assure you that he is worth the investment. Some of you are sitting there thinking to yourselves, I owe so much, want to be faithful to God. I, I want to, to, to be a tither. I want to do the things that God would call me to do. But right now, it just does not seem any way at all that that's practical. Well, let me tell you, God does not call us to be 
practical. He calls us to be sold out and radical for him. If you realize you're not giving anything or not giving the full tithe, then, then take the first step and, and give something. And then sit down with your spouse and, 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 and say, you know, by such and such a date, uh, we're, we're going to increase our giving so that come this point, we can be completely honoring the word of God and we'll be giving a full tithe. Now, some of you also might be saying to yourself, if I just had a little bit more money or, or a lot more money, I'd be sure then that I would give it to God. Well, let me tell you right now, folks, that's a lie that you're telling to yourselves. You see, God does not want you to give from what you might have someday, possibly in the future. He wants you to trust him right now with what it is he has provided for you. He doesn't want you to just say, I'll wait till God comes and provides me with more. Uh, here's a reality check for every one of us in this room. You know how you sometimes look around and you say to yourself, I wish I was rich. Now, I know some of you do that. You know, sometimes you say, oh, I, I wish... I was rich. Oh, if I, if I was like one of the, the 10% wealthiest people in the world, I, I'd do so much for God's kingdom. I'd really be able to give then. Well, did a little uh, internet research, which always can be a bit uh, dangerous. But uh, as I, I came across uh, one website called the Global Rich List, and, and I verified it with a couple others that, that had similar statistics. And, and here we, we read that... that to be in the top 10%, the top 10% of richest families in the world, your household annual income needs to be $25,400 a year. Top 10% richest families in the world. If you want to be in the top 5% richest families in the world, then your income Family income would be $33,700. And if you want to be in the top 1% of the richest households in the world, then your annual income would be $47,500 or more. So the reality is we can't really say, if I had more, I would give more. God has already blessed all of us here Far more than we can possibly imagine. You see, the issue is a heart issue. It, it's not a dollar issue. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I can tell you right now, if you showed me your check, checkbook, I could tell you what's important in your life. As you know, the Bible doesn't speak just of the tithe. It also speaks about bringing our offerings. This year we started our, our faith mission giving. We committed as a congregation that as the God provided, we would give $178,000 beyond our operating fund for the purpose of local and global missions. To date we received $95,300 of that money and we praise God for every single penny 
that has come in. And we look expectantly to him to provide the rest before the end of the faith mission giving fiscal year in April. What an encouragement it is to us as leadership to hear you all tell each other about how God has provided just as you knew that he would. And we can't wait to hear more of those stories. And certainly there's other opportunities to give. We know the good ones are raising support to, to go to England for full time, going cross-culturally to take the gospel to people that need to know Jesus Christ as their treasure. Every one of us should prayerfully consider if we should be a part of giving regularly for that important cause. We had the Elliots here a couple of weeks ago. They're just a couple hundred dollars short per month of, of going uh, to Bulgaria full time. We should be praying if this is a kingdom investment for us. You know, I, I do hope that it is with real joy you consider how you might invest in the kingdom of God. As we've been doing throughout this, as we've been going throughout this, this uh, sermon series, uh, the, the making of a, a disciple, one of the common themes which runs throughout it is God loves his people. And our response to God's love is important in our continued growth as a believer. You know, unlike the people on the Antique Roadshow, we do not have to wonder if what we have in Christ is of any value. I tell you right now, without any hesitation, Jesus is worth everything. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Hope you caught it was with joy the man sold everything he had. May you today See the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.